It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Sportsbeat After Hours. Mm. I am your host, Hemahe Mooley Jr. And joining me, as always, on the ones and twos, the local lovable Canuck himself, Zach Hicken. I am lovable. Lovable. Yeah, um, another week, more sports, more sports than ever, it seems like. Um... More college basketball is going on. College football still got like two weeks left. Mm-hmm. But, um, and and NBA is right in the swing of things. So this is like the golden time of year. Football's starting to wind down. We uh, we are down two classifications in high school football. Three mm-hmm. and two A wrapped up the seasons. Congratulations to the Morgan Trojans and the Beaver Beavers. Yes, that's right. The Beaver Beavers. Beaver Beavers. Uh, they are capture the three a and two a state championships but before we get into our hot topics for today by the way was that is that a trademark copyright hot topics <laughs> my bad <laughs> uh, we're gonna be talking about some uh burning topics how about that sure. uh, i just want to mention we are powered by kslsports.com mm-hmm. kslsports.com the best website in the state of Utah. The best website in Salt Lake City. You can the go best. there to meet friends and uh, see what happens in jazz games, Ute games, BYU games. No, in all reality, uh, we have been... I want to give props to our guys uh, over there. The head man in charge, Nate Dowdle. Um, under him is uh, a bad boss lady, Madison Hinkhouse, and... She's whipped our boys up into shape, Trevor Allen. Making them right till their feet fall off. Yes, Kyle Ireland and Mitch Harper, Tom Hackett, um, and everyone else who's helping out. Sam Farnsworth is doing a great job, Jeremy Moss. Uh, killing it with our coverage. Uh, ben Anderson. Ben Anderson, yes, and Cleon Wall. Cleon Wall. Can't forget those two. Mm-hmm. They are our newest uh, contributors uh, covering the Jazz. But anyway, we got you all covered with BYU, Utah, Utah State, the Jazz, and it's a good time to be a fan of any of those teams, especially mm-hmm. Utah, after just a dominating performance this weekend. They beat UCLA 49-3. to They didn't just beat them. They, like... Physically dominated? Was they... there any question who was the more physical team, Emma? <laughs> Let's get physical. 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 <laughs> I they, wanna they get freaking, physical. They spanked them. They, Utah spanked UCLA, and... Their children and their children's children with that beatdown. Yeah. Uh, I think UCLA, the only thing they walked away with 
was three points and a degree in physics because they got a lesson <laughs> yeah. from the PhD, the Utah defense, baby. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, bunch of uh, Bachelor of Science and Physics for that UCLA team, bunch Pro- of nerds. Professor Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss took them to school. Yeah, Tyler Huntley. Okay, I want to start there. Mm-hmm. Man, Tyler Huntley is the real deal. Okay, he is. He has had a breakout season, and let me tell you this: if he was wearing a jersey, if you take off his jersey, a Utah jersey, and you throw it on, throw on a USC jersey, an Ohio mm-hmm. State jersey, mm-hmm. a Penn State jersey, an Alabama jersey, we're talking a guy that's a Heisman contender, an Oregon jersey, an Oregon jersey, and I'm not joking. Literally, the reason that he's not getting the credit he does is because Utah doesn't have a history of putting together great quarterbacks. And it's right. unfortunate because he really is having a great season. He's a top five quarterback in the country. He should, in my opinion, be in the Heisman discussion. I don't know if that's going to earn him a trip to New York, but he should be in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw for a season high 338 yards on Saturday against UCLA. Um, he's making throws that we haven't really seen him make throughout his career and mm. just the progression that he's made from that junior season season ends early in an injury and the connection he's been able to make with Andy Ludwig he is he is phenomenal um he i, I i'm not going to say that he has the most pro potential but he's the best quarterback in the state this year no for question sure. about it for sure he is the most efficient he is scoring on the ground and in the air it's it's, you know, we we here at KSLSports.com have been saying this all season. Tyler Huntley is a special player, and he's going to have a special season, and he has. And there are some people out there on the Twitterverse that highly disagree, but the numbers don't lie, okay? Mm-hmm. He is a top-five quarterback, according to ESPN's QBR. He is a um, – he is leading in what – was, what was it? I, I'm – my brain's all foggy because it's so late. Yeah, we we had we had poured poured through all these stats already, but I mean, um, he's top like, five in like efficiency mm-hmm. yards per completion or yards per attempt. Yes, um, quarterback rating, uh, completion percentage, just unreal. Just all these numbers that show, um, you know, who's a great quarterback because there's a lot of discrepancy between, you know, Washington State's going to throw the ball so many times per right. game that. You know, their guy's going to come out with an insane number of yards, an insane number of touchdowns. Utah runs a very different offense than Washington mm-hmm. State, though. They're very balanced. I mean, 536 yards of total offense. Yeah. Um, and Tyler Huntley is the one out there that's making this all work. And he has a great backfield mate in Zach Moss. That's not taking anything away from Zach Moss. Sure. But Tyler Huntley's making the right decisions. He's running when he needs to, he's throwing the ball away when mm-hmm. he needs to, not very often that he needs to, yeah. and then he's making the right reads, the right progressions, and hitting the right receivers, and it's paying off into a, a phenomenal senior year, and um, yeah, not to take away, like I said, not to take away from Zach Moss, he was great in this game, right. 17 carries for 127 yards, that's a seven and a half yards per carry average. He's insane. For two touchdowns, long of 38, he also hauled in... Um, Four passes, four catches for a 73-yard long of 50. Mm-hmm. Um, just a great all-around performance offensively. And then you look at the defense. This is a top three defense in the country, top two. 
maybe even the best defense in the country, depending on who you're asking. Right. Another week that they hold a team under three points. This is the first time, this is the lowest scoring total that UCLA's had since 2011 when they were shut out by USC. Mm-hmm. Um, they hadn't scored less than 10 points all season. Had l- scored less than 14 points all season. Yeah. And, uh, and isn't, isn't this the fourth game in a row where they've held a team to no touchdowns? Something like that. It's a great so. question, Hema. You're uh, you're putting me on the spot. Sorry, I'm just uh, thinking. Out well, loud. they they did allow four touchdowns to Washington, um, but four. Oh, sorry, three four. of the last four games. Three gotcha. of the last four games. They've had four this season. Yeah, they've had four this <laughs> season. Right. Um, five times that they've held teams under um, thirteen under ten points. Oh, ten. Uh, seven times they've held teams under two touchdowns. So just an all-around. They're a machine. They are a machine. And, I mean, forcing five turnovers, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah. Dude looked lost out there. Um, Yeah. And they're, they're running back, non-factor. Bradley. Like. and Yeah, that, that's the thing is, like, we were really worried before the season started about Josh Kelly. Um, it, Average-wise, he was good. Four carries. For yard four yards per carry, it's not great, but he was kind of neutralized in that effect because he's a guy that could break it out for a hundred yards yeah. on any given night. Um, I mean this this is the most complete Utah team I think in school history, and I think it's the best it's just, team ever. Yeah, yeah, there's just this what if that we have lingering over the team every single week. Yeah, what if they beat USC? Where would they be right now? Would they be a top right. four team? Would they be getting more recognition for how talented they are? Because a lot of times, you know what, they play on the West Coast. People are, a lot of the people that are voting in these polls, you know, you hope that they do the credit. But, you know, as a guy that works in the media, I understand how it is. Right. You're covering your primary team. And you get done, and a lot of times you're just going looking at box scores, right. final scores, seeing what happened throughout the throughout the country. And Utah's doing what they need to to impress these voters. But when you watch them, it's a completely different story. Right. They're a completely different team when you watch them. And people just aren't watching them. They're looking at that record. They're seeing that loss to USC. Um, and it, you know, the Pac-12 just doesn't have the same reputation as some of these other, con- as some of these other conferences. But it's, it's you look at the defense, for example, even the box score is impressive. I mean, you look, they're... The defense scores, I think the stat was like 11.3 points a game or something like that. Like um, like 12 points a game, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, you can count on Utah's defense scoring at least a touchdown every game. It's 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 insane. That's a, that's a crazy statistic. Um, and like you said, if you just watch the team play, you can really see how, how much of a machine this team is. The defense is not on the field very often. They they score points, um, and when they do have turnovers, the Utah offense scores off of them. It's those those kinds of um, behaviors of a team add up to a championship caliber team, and I think that Utah's doing it. This is a special year; they're going to get some. They're going to have some special things happen. So we'll see. There's still like Kyle Whittingham said in his post. There's still a lot of season left. There is, yeah, but. The way that they're positioned right now, it's it's great. They've got complete control of their destiny. Um, they just have to worry about the games that are in front of them, and then 
I think good things will unfold for them. Whether that's is that going to be making the college playoffs? Who knows? But they're on their way to going to a Pac-12 championship, and with the way they're playing, I really think they could win. If, if it's Oregon they're going to play, I think they can beat Oregon. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I think Coach Whittingham has the right mentality. Control what you can control because you can't worry about what's going on around you. You can only control what's going on with you. Yeah. And, you know what, they control their own destiny. If they win out, then they have two games to prove that they belong in the Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have that Pac-12 championship game to make a case to give them a spot in the college football playoff. If it doesn't work out, then guess what? Their season goal this year was a Rose Bowl. Right. Anything exceeding that, a trip Crazy. to the Rose Bowl. Right. Anything exceeding that, whether it's a win in the Rose Bowl or a trip to the college football playoff, mm-hmm. like you said, that's gravy. Yeah. That. I, they will be going to a New Year's Six Bowl either for way. For sure. Um, there's there's two things that I think that are really important uh, for people to notice about this Utah team. Um, the first thing, Kyle Whittingham said in his post-game um, press conference after this UCLA game that they held on to the gas a little bit longer than they normally would have. And by that, he meant, like, I think through the third quarter. The fourth quarter is when they started letting up and – getting their guys reps. It was garbage time at that point. Um, but the reason why he said that he held onto the gas longer than normal was because he was aware that UCLA put up like 23 points or something in the fourth quarter against Washington state. Mm-hmm. That UCLA Washington state game was months ago, but Kyle Whittingham remembers and he took that into account in the game that he was playing at the time. I think that's a result of losing to USC. I think yeah. that he realized the mistake that they made, that they uh, weren't as aggressive. They, I don't know. They they learn from their mistakes, and that's one thing that's really important for people to to recognize um, with this Utah team. I agree with that, uh, and I think um, I think having that mentality, yeah, is just going to help them. It's only going to benefit them. Yep. Yeah. And then, sorry. And then the second thing, real quick was that I noticed is that they're it's it's November um and they're looking pretty good injury wise. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that Utah hasn't been able to do for the past couple seasons. They come this time of the year they were banged up and they couldn't find I mean they've always had the depth but you, they were ha- having to rely heavily on that depth or yeah. in the se- part of the season last year. But this year, you know, Jason Shelley got a lot of snaps. He did really well. Um, but it's not like Tyler Huntley was uh immobile enough that they had to take him out. It was it was a choice. It was a conscious choice and they're kind of testing their depth, but like giving the reps where they need to be made. At this point of the year, it's great to see you know, Tyler Huntley's healthy. Zach Moss is healthy. Like people might have like bangs and bruises, but no one is, you know, nursing a torn ACL or things right, like that. Right, right. And that's really good to see. So, anyways, those are the two things that I think are really impressive and really important for people to recognize with his Utah team as they're in the middle of the special season. So, you know, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of things to look forward to with this team, and I'm really excited. Um, like, even though I, you know, we we. I personally like BYU because my family played there and I grew up watching BYU and stuff like that. It's been really great to watch this Utah team have a special season because 
Um, you know, ever since BYU, like, won the national championship, um, I think there's this bias and they're like, there's an article that Mitch Harper put out on KSLSports.com that talks about because BYU won the national championship, the nation made it harder for a team like that to come out of the Mountain West mm-hmm. to win a national championship. Yep. But I think Utah's doing it, which is really cool. They're they're on their way. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship, but I'm saying right. they're they're getting really close. And this yeah. is the closest we've been anyone in this side of the country um, for a while. So it's kind of cool. To watch. Yeah, since uh, Oregon a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk for a second. Okay, we're going to play what ifs because we can play hypotheticals. We're not sure. on the Utah football team. We don't. We have no control over what they do. <laughs> we don't know what they're going to do against yeah. Arizona this week. Um, but I just want to set up a couple hypotheticals of how of Utah's path to the college football playoff, how this is all going to work out if it okay if it if everything falls in place, how the dominoes like right now would have to fall in place um, to get it to work. Okay. And as time so, goes on, like we'll tighten the screws a little bit because we'll know what teams are looking like going into their last couple games of the season and yep. how how different conferences are shaking out, mm-hmm. who's going to the conference championships, but. I would really like to hear what you have so far. Okay, so what we have um, in this week, number nine Penn State is at Ohio State. Okay, Ohio State's number two. Yeah. If Ohio State loses, they drop out. It is possible that Penn State could pass Utah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that happens, though. Um, with, uh, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a better win than anything that Utah has, but it's always good if, a team ahead of Utah loses. Loses. Sure. So let's say Ohio State loses, okay? Utah, in theory, should be ahead of Ohio State if that's the case. Mm-hmm. In two weeks, Alabama, who's now without Tua Tonga Vailoa, yeah. after that gruesome hip injury, plays number 12 Auburn on the road at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I was joking with Kyle Ireland the other day. Bo Nix. Needs to have the game of his life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Auburn did lose. So they were ranked number 12 in the last uh, college football playoff poll. They did just lose to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Georgia, they're number four in the latest college football playoff poll. I don't see them sliding out. Maybe Alabama moves up. I just don't see Alabama moving up right. um, with, with Tua going down. But in three weeks, if everything plays out the way it is, mm-hmm. Um, Georgia and LSU will face off in the SEC title game. Those are two top four teams. Mm-hmm. In theory, one of them drops out. If Bama wins out, then Bama's probably the most likely team to slide in there. Yep. But let's say Oregon leaps Bama. Okay. Oregon goes from uh, number six to number four. Okay. That means in the Pac-12 championship game, they're a number four team. Utah will be a six. And Utah could... You know, be anywhere between five and seven, possibly eight, if Penn State were to win and mm-hmm. move up. But if Utah gets a top four, top five win against Oregon, I think that's a case with their record that they could potentially be a college football playoff team. Right. Interesting. So I, I mean, know that's kind of so, jumping all over the yeah, place. Yeah, it's but. kind of all over the place. But like, let's try and simplify it. Okay, LSU, Georgia for the SEC championship game. Yep. I think LSU is going to win. Yep. They're such a good team. So Georgia falls out. So Georgia bounces out of there. Um, So we got LSU at one. Yep. Then um, the Penn State 
Wait. Who was... Penn State, Ohio State is this week. Okay. Um, it's on Saturday. We want Penn... So... We want Penn, Penn State, State to win. win. Then Ohio State would drop out, but Penn State, you think, might leapfrog Utah. Potentially. Okay. I know I got made fun of for this by saying <laughs> that Minnesota... So I, I suggested this after yeah, Minnesota this really upset good. Penn State... And I was like, hey, guys, what do you think the possibility is that, you know, Utah's on a bye week. Right. Uh, Minnesota just got a huge win. They were still undefeated at the time. They Mm -hmm. just lost this weekend to Iowa, in case you guys didn't know. Um, I'm sure all the Utah fans out there that are listening probably were aware of that. But anyway, I suggested that in a group text that we have with the TV sports team, and I got mocked, like, mercilessly. It was like a Kyle Ireland moment, kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When Kyle Ireland... (laughs) Made all the Utah fans mad. In yeah. case you guys were wondering who Kyle was, he was the guy that said that uh, the ESPN FPI the FBI was made Utah right. an underdog against USC. Yeah. So anyway, they're all Jeremiah, Matt, Sam, <laughs> Nate, our boss, are all making fun of me. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. For whatever. the record, like, I was like, that makes sense, Zach. Yeah. I was just, I know how these <laughs> AP voters work, okay? Yeah. Because you know what? East Coast bias, Big Ten bias uh-huh. versus the Pac-12, Utah was on a bye. That was the only reason why. If Utah played that week, then it doesn't happen. Next week, or sorry, the next day, the AP poll comes out, Minnesota leapfrogs <laughs> Utah. And I get it. It's not the college football playoff rankings. Sure. But I still feel I was like, vindicated in yeah. that. And so <laughs> I just kind of, I didn't come in um, like full on being a jerk about it, but. Felt good. I felt good. <laughs> it felt good. And so that's my worry with this Penn State game. Right. It's a big win. Penn State does have a couple of big wins um, on the season already. Um, I mean, that win, they just beat Indiana, um, who's who was 7-2 and two entering that game. Well, they have some big losses. Um, they beat Iowa. They beat Michigan. And then that loss to Minnesota. It was their one loss on the season. And so, so they could be up there. This would be the biggest win of the season for Penn State, beating number two Ohio State. And so that that's just my worry there. Right. Um, and this is a game that potentially decides who goes to the Big Ten championship, mm. facing Minnesota, um, who is currently in the driver's seat, or Wisconsin. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um. With this Penn State Ohio State game, that's probably the key game for any Utah fans to keep an eye on. Mm. Um, outside of Oregon, you want obviously want to know what Oregon's doing. Sure. On a given week, um, then in two weeks, yeah, final regular season game, Bama at Auburn. Um, Auburn this week came in um, in the AP poll. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, after their loss, they came in at 16. They dropped three spots. They were 13. Um, Alabama's number five. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, Alabama-Auburn is kind of like one of those rivalries that I think it's like you you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's similar. Well, especially this whole two. Uh, True. Like this wild card going in, we don't know how the backup quarterback's going to perform. I do think that. Alabama as a whole has a lot of great offensive weapons. I mean, you look at Jerry Judy and Najee Harris and um, Devontae Smith and just all these guys that they have. um, They're still a potent offensive team. Um, 
But it's like but, norm, like normally for any other team, it's like you lose your quarterback. Oh, it's like almost a loss. But yeah, Bama could still win with a backup quarterback. Oh, absolutely. So it's it's just crazy. Um, so we have that to look forward to, and plus, he Iron Bowl is always fun. The good thing, I well, I guess this isn't a good thing for um, Utah fans, but the thing that does play to Alabama's favor is that they kind of get a tune-up game. Um, this week against Western Carolina. Yes, that is a real <laughs> college. They are the Catamounts. Oh. I don't know what a Catamount is, but that it's is like, what they are. It's not a lot, but it's not a little. It's just a Catamount. <laughs> That's a dad joke if I've ever heard one. Um, yeah, so that is the uh, college football playoff scenario for the Utes. Um, got a big game against Arizona. Mm. Um, again, You're going to? I am going to it. Uh, if you guys have any Tucson food recommendations, hit me up. I'm going to be looking up oh, yeah. diners, drive-ins, and dives. I'm just looking forward to like some good Mexican food, oh, maybe a sure. good diner or something, some good Native American cuisine. I'm excited. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a big game, road game. Um, it's on FS1. I believe kickoff is at 830. Oof. Yeah, kind of a late kickoff. That kind of stinks because um, we like to uh, try and like show our live presence, right? Um, and it's always good to have complete highlights for our nine o'clock show on Friday nights. It's sorry, it's at eight o'clock. So eight o'clock kick on FS1. Um, make sure y'all are keeping keeping that in your eyes because um, you know what BYU <laughs> is playing a game, but I don't know that anyone's gonna see it. No one's gonna see. No it. one's gonna see it because it's on this Flow Sports channel. But you know what, you guys, we're going to cover it so that you don't have to watch it. Yeah, so we're going to have it all covered. You guys can check out the highlights there. Kalani Satake gets an extension. We're going to talk about, was that the right decision to extend Kalani? Coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it was a big win Mm -hmm. for the Cougars uh, against Idaho State. I mean, who really cares if you're playing an FCS team? Sure. Playing an FCS schedule in November. Right. um, Kind of disappointing. It's the downside of independence. We're going to start to see... Some of these stronger opponents come to fruition in the next couple of years. Stanford next year in November. Mm-hmm. Um, they played Utah last year in November, but the back, the last third of the schedule is just doo doo. It, it <laughs> like it's so poo poo. They so poo. Yeah, like Tyler Huntley would look at it and he would just like, Ugh. and it is. It's it like... is. I mean, you look at you're playing teams that over the last decade they're making they're either FCS programs or making the transition from FCS. You know. Right. Um, and also they're like looking for these one-sided schedules where like yeah. everything to gain if you win, 
But if you lose, it's like, ah, we lost to BYU. Yeah. So it's whatever. And so, but there were a lot of storylines that did come out of this game. Zach right. Wilson made his return. A mm-hmm. um, little bit of controversy. People are kind of upset with the way Zach Wilson played. He was shaking off some rust. Sure. He said that there weren't any excuses for how he played. But, you know, I'm going to say this. There were a lot of factors going into this. Okay. Number one, I saw a lot of people saying that they felt that Baylor Romney was a better quarterback because he makes decisions faster than Zach Wilson. <laughs> okay. Okay, that is true. I also do think that the the way that the routes were developing for these two players, Zach was, a, because of Zach's arm talent, he's able to let the routes develop. He was going for a lot of deep balls. Yeah. You could see... Kind of early on that his wide receivers weren't necessarily used to that. Right. Talon Shumway pulled up for a ball because he was used to catching yep. passes from Baylor Romney, who doesn't have the same arm strength that Zach has. Mm-hmm. Zach also, you look at that, uh, speaking of Talon, Zach threw a beautiful back shoulder fade to the corner pylon of the end zone, 26-yard mm-hmm. touchdown to Talon. That's not a throw that Baylor Romney makes. Nope. Um, there's a lot of things that Zach does that ta- that Baylor can't do, and um, you know, Baylor, I think that they were kind of running out some route trees that were a little more simplified for Baylor, something that right. he could make quick decisions that he doesn't need to think he can go to his first reach. Zach was allowing the defense to uh, kind of unfold and, and the route combinations to work out. And I, I just, th- I think that there was a different game plan entering this yeah. than there was with ba- with what Baylor's done the last two weeks. Um, against Boise State and Utah State, mm-hmm. um, and you know if Utah or excuse me if BYU needs to turn to a point where they need to start running out these route combinations where it's just don't think, just let the ball fly, they can do that with Zach. Right. Um, I think that's something that Aaron Roderick is opening open to doing. But when you have a guy Perfect. who is basically a two year starter, then you can allow for stuff like this. And on top of that, um, his offensive line wasn't doing any favors. Sure. Uh, a lot of false starts, a lot of holdings, a lot of big plays that got called back. Um, like the Micah Simon catch. That was a phenomenal catch mm-hmm. um, for 30-plus yards, and it gets called back because of a holding penalty. Yeah. So the offensive line didn't really do Zach any favors. Um, when I think that they were pretty much mistake-free the last two weeks against Boise State and Utah State, they didn't really have any costly penalties that brought things back. Mm-hmm. They did that against Idaho State, and that was kind of – you know, the offense was stagnant, and um, I think that getting another week against a, a pretty bad opponent is going to be able to get Zach another shot in the arm and right. be able to uh, do some good things heading into that San Diego State to wrap up the season and into this bowl game and heading into his junior year. Uh, you said something really important to me, and that was you talked about A-Rod. Um, and I think it's important for those people that are upset with Zach Wilson's performance to remember that the play calling was very different for Zach Wilson at the beginning yeah. of the season yeah. than it is now. Um, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about that specifically. He has been happens, practicing in this offense. Yes. And, and, and the, it's just, it's to compare Baylor Romney in the, the time he's started to like Zach Wilson's performance now is just weird because it's like, it's, it's two different teams essentially. I think Baylor Romney, like not to take anything away from him. He was, he was good. He was great. Um, for what BYU was trying to do, simplified routes, pr- simplified progressions. Um, 
He got done. They what got rid of the RPO done. completely, mm-hmm. which is what BYU was basically running primarily the first part of the season. Yeah. Um, mix it in with the motions and the fly sweeps and everything else that they do, but it's a completely different offense. I mean, the fly sweep still is mixed in there. It's not, unfortunately, yeah, it's not as often. <laughs> But you're seeing like a lot of tunnel screen, screen yeah. passes. And we didn't see, actually, now that I think of it, we didn't see a single tunnel screen or screen pass in this game. Not a lot of quick slants. Mm-hmm. And like I said, everything was stuff that developed. Yeah. And it, it, it was just, you could see that it was stuff that required Zach Wilson to read the defense and um, uh, anticipate where those routes were going to develop. Um, which is probably why people were not happy with how quickly he was making his decisions. That's yeah. it. That's all. And that's what you were saying. And I think people just need to realize that. Speaking of quarterbacks that are getting a little bit of hate, <laughs> should we talk about Utah State? Uh, I just want to mention a couple of okay. things with BYU, just storylines. Because, again, oh. this game, it's not about the opponent. It's not about the I, – I guess it is about the win. Uh, so number – I guess the first thing, uh, Zach Wilson, he wasn't perfect. I will say that. Um, I will qualify. You know, for there, there is some cause for concern just because, you know, he was a little bit rusty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it was in panic mode the way that BYU fans are acting. Uh, number two, BYU's bowl eligible. Third time under Kalani Satake. Um. Really, this is a way that you want to send the seniors out because after that 2017 season, there are no guarantees. Right. They lost on senior night, um, sending out probably the two most important players, two of the most important players. I'm not going to say the two most important players, but two of the most important players, two of the most beloved players in in the independence era and T. John Karoma and Fred Warner finishing their home career at BYU with an ugly loss to UMass, super disappointing that that happened. They didn't get a chance to go bowling. Basically, their bowl game was that 13th game against Hawaii on the road. And so, kind of a bummer that BYU fans didn't get to see an extra game for those guys. But you know what you do with this group of seniors? You think of these guys, Austin Lee, Diane Gambalaku, Micah Simon, Aleva Hifo, he didn't get a chance to play, but he's including that group, Talon Shumway. Um, those are kind of the main uh, contributors. Austin Kefensis has stepped up this year. Sawyer Powell as well. Um, it's special that these guys get to go bowling. Mm-hmm. And so never take it for granted. Uh, we learned that after the 2017 season. Um, anytime that you get more time to spend out on that field, cherish it as long as you can. Because you know what? Hem and I are sitting here. We're two guys washed up that haven't played competitive sports for you know a decade yeah um my knees pop when i walk up the stairs <laughs> yeah <laughs> i huff and puff when we walk up to the sports beat after hours studio from uh our little editing area so um never take it for granted i think that's something that these seniors understand and you know getting it getting a chance to play in a bowl game especially in hawaii mm-hmm. is pretty special so aloha to uh and congratulations to the byu football team for that Third point I want to hit on this game, the Extend Kalani. Hashtag Extend Kalani. Yes. We saw these shirts make an appearance during the bowl game announcement. I guess uh, it was a campaign put together by some fans. Players were wearing them on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. 
And in the post-game celebration, we have video evidence, courtesy of Neil Pau's Instagram. Um, Tom Holmo came in and took off his jacket to show that he was wearing an Extend Kalani shirt. I'm sure that the negotiations um, were, were already well underway. Um, they probably began after that USC win, to be honest. Yeah. Started talking about, hey, Kalani, your future is here. Um, we want to start talking contract terms. Things started to get solidified more as you get that Boise State win, the Utah State win. Mm -hmm. And I think that this wasn't a show for Kalani to know that he was getting an extension. I think Kalani's known all along. Sure. This was a show for the seniors to reward them for the way that they played the season. Um, Going out on a high note, their their, uh, home their career at Lavelle Edwards Stadium going on a high note for this coach that they love, a coach that they'd run through a brick wall for, mm-hmm. um, to know that he is secure because of the way that they've played this season. Yep. And it's also a security blanket for the the players for sure. that are in the program that will remain in the program to know that their guy is still going to be around. And um, I don't know when we're going to get an official announcement that it's happened, but... But it's gonna happen. It, which is good. it was it was a way it was an added measure of security for these players to know that Kalani Sataki is here for the long term, um, as long as he wants to be. I think it was really smart too of Tom Homo, like who notoriously has like like as players not not I'm not saying they don't they distrust him, I'm saying that they don't know what he's about, right? I don't think anyone knows what he's no. about, and I think that the players, especially, that's probably the biggest criticism of Tom Homo as an athletic director is he's so guarded um, for how important of a figure he is in BYU athletics. Mm-hmm. He's so guarded; he only has the he has the annual roundtable. That's the only time a year that yep. we get to talk to him, um, which is disappointing because I I think that there are more times during the year that we should be able to ask him as media members questions about the state of the program. Yep. Um, and I also don't want to talk to him on a weekly basis when, you know, moods swing and attitudes sure. change depending on how things go. But I would just, I would like more transparency on what's going on, what he believes is going on and uh, with the athletic program. But that, so I think it's a smart move because I think he's aware that that doubt exists with everybody, especially the players. And can you imagine, like, Chaz Ayu's attitude toward the program now, knowing that, oh, if we work hard and play hard, the guy that we love gets extended. Like, I think that is, I think, the genius part of him doing that shirt stunt or whatever, because the media wasn't there. It was all players. Um but it's for the like, like you said, for the seniors, but also I think for the for the underclassmen that are going to carry this program in the future. Um, I think they need something to believe in, especially in the independence era when there's nothing really to play for. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're basically playing for their pride at this yeah. point. You know, once you're bowl eligible, you're right. You don't really have much to play for, and that's something. You know, we we still don't know the terms of this next ESPN contract mm-hmm. um, that BYU is going to have, and th- this is a staple. If they want to be able to succeed in the Independence Era, for sure, they need a good TV contract. They need the opportunity to possibly play flex bowl games. Where hey, you know what? You do the bare minimum. You make a bowl game. You're going to the Potato Bowl or the New Mexico Bowl or 
um, whatever the heck the bowl down in Arizona is, or oh. the Armed Forces Bowl, the Heart of Dallas Bowl, just something, yeah. a lower tier bowl with a lower payout. Uh, you know, if you get to eight wins, you get to go to San Diego to the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, you get to ten wins, you get to go to, um, I don't know. The I know this is out of the question because the Las Vegas Bowl is going to be right. a major bowl next year, but the Las Vegas Bowl, something like yeah. that, a way to reward the program, uh, depending on how they perform. And I think that that's something, um, that you know, and being able, to, yeah, not having these guaranteed tie-ins or at least mixing it up because, you know, as fun it is as it is to go, have the convenience to go to like the Las Vegas Bowl and the Holiday Bowl. I wouldn't mind playing in like Birmingham or the sure. Pinstripe Bowl something or crazy. like something, a, you know, across the country where it gets a new fan base introduced to this BYU team mm-hmm. um, and, and a, an interest- opportunity to play an interesting opponent yeah, that exactly. um, isn't someone that we know regionally. Because um, right. I think that's part of the problem with like getting excitement about you know mm-hmm. this Hawaii Bowl. It's probably going to be Hawaii that we play. and. Right. For a bowl game like this, this is probably the best case scenario. But if they're playing, you know, like in the Albuquerque Bowl, I don't think that's a bowl that's going to draw, right. or a, a bowl opponent's going to draw a lot of BYU fans to go down to Albuquerque. Which the reason I keep bringing up Albuquerque, <laughs> it's not the chili. I love the, the green, green chili, chili down there. I made the trip down there, and that was one of my favorite trips that I've done as an employee at KSL. Um, couldn't recommend it more. Albuquerque is a hot, hot town. I love it. Um, but I think that's enough, uh, on BYU. Do you have anything you want to add? Nope. That's the main story. I, the other storyline, um, Sione Finau. Yeah. That guy has a, the potential to be, um, a number one running back next year for BYU. Just depending on what happens with Tyson Williams. I think the closer and closer we get, um, to the next season, I think the less I think that it's likely that Tyson's going to be back yeah. for a medical hardship waiver, but I like what we saw from Sione Finau. Austin McChesney showed a couple spurts um, of potential. And so I'm excited to see, you know, the youth. I mean, Lapini Katoa is only going to be a junior. I don't know that he's going to be the number one back next year, but. He's got a lot of things to work out. Like a lot yeah. of growth that needs to happen. Yeah. Not just physical, but like yeah. in his game too. Yeah. Um, before I can consider him a, a, a number one guy or a number two guy. Yeah. Um, I think so we'll Sione's see. made more of a case to be the number one guy next mm-hmm. year. And so um, I'm excited to see his development. And as he's able to get, grow and mature physically, um, I mean, Sione, I think he's listed at 185. I'd be surprised <laughs> if he was 170 pounds soaking wet sure. in his full pads and everything. Um, but That's fine. He does, have, he does have like this way of just finding a way to uh, be elusive and not really mm-hmm. take hard hits and – Yes. Bounce off of guys, and you know he's just so shifty and quick; it doesn't even matter. He's like BYU's version of Britton Covey, and I'm not saying he is Britton Covey because Britton Covey is a very dynamic athlete that is very proven uh-huh. against P5 caliber athletes. We haven't seen that yet for Sione Finau, but yeah. there are similarities in their game, just in the I, way that they're shifty and saying. quick and the change of direction and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I I think I I know exactly what you're talking about because like I think like with Britton, he's kind of more of an open field like guy, but well, it's just got, the nature of the position too. But, I think if we sure. put Sione in an open field thing, he could potentially put on some of the same moves. That mm-hmm. 
Um, but I see what you're saying. Shiona has a good a good way of like slipping hits to like yeah. When he when he runs north to south, he gets so far because he can slip those hits like just so enough that he can fall forward. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, cool. Anything else about BYU? No, no, no. Let's move okay. on to Utah State. You, uh, I'm I'm sorry that you couldn't get to this earlier, but you want to talk Jordan Love and quarterbacks up at the Utah. Yeah, the Utah State Aggies. <clears throat> just because Jordan Love has been getting a lot of hate from people just because he hasn't been performing numbers-wise as well as a quarterback that has been rumored to go first round in the NFL draft should be performing, right? Um, And we've talked about this before, um, about Jordan Love not having the same weapons and having to go through another coaching change. And, in fact, if you want to hear more about Jordan Love and the Utah State program, as a whole, check out the Scotsman podcast with Matt Glade because he has all the dirt and he knows exactly what he's talking about. Um, but just from my experience of watching them play, they played Wyoming up in Logan um, on Saturday. Always a good matchup. Wyoming's a tough team. They, um, they, were, what, six, they were what, six and three entering that game? Um, I don't, something like that. Um, yeah, six and three entering the game. Okay. Um, with, I mean, their losses were against San Diego State and Boise State in conference. So right. it's not anything to turn sure. your head at. They're like a very good mid tier team in the in the Mountain West. Yeah, um, but definitely one that would that could surprise you. I mean, you know, their environment's similar enough to like Logan, where it's not like a uh, a change of venue necessarily for them. A lot of their right. fans travel, so there was a lot of them there. Um, but Jordan Love didn't do um, great numbers-wise. And, in fact, he left the game. He's injured. For sure, I know he's injured because he didn't return. And Coach Anderson didn't comment on his injury, which means that I don't know if it's something serious or they haven't figured out how they want to PR this nightmare because Jordan not having Jordan Love is a big, uh, is a big concern for this ailing Utah State offense who hasn't mm-hmm. been performing very well. Um, so the I guess the big story is Utah State's offense got just enough done to win this game, but it really is the defense that saved them. And, in fact, it's one of the best performances I've seen from somebody who hadn't even played, started the entire season, Eric Munoz. Um, he had to fill David Woodward's spot because David Woodward's out for the season. Um this Eric Munoz guy is a great story. Um, he's a transfer. He's a walk-on. Like, he's not even on scholarship. like his fourth college he's been yeah. to. Um, and he got the opportunity to start on Saturday against the Cowboys, and he showed up. He had two interceptions, one for, like, 50-plus yards. He had 13 tackles, uh, shared a tackle for loss, um... In fact, one of his picks was the game ceiling pick that yeah. ended, it, and it was a like a Wyoming drive. Like they were on, yeah. their, they were on like their twenty going in, and he picked it off. Um, and he ended up getting uh, Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week honors. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. yeah, really impressed with him and how he how he dealt with it. So that I mean that was probably the next biggest story behind Jordan Love's injury. You know, mm-hmm. is his performance. Um, so Utah State still not out, you know, of the Mountain West 
conversation. But, you know, without Jordan Love, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Again, all they can do um, is just continue to uh, play the teams in front of them. They got Boise State this week. That's the that's the mountain they got to climb right now, and that's the mountain they got to climb. Boise State is in sole possession of first place of the Mountain Division, six and zero. Aggies five and one, tied with well, Air Force actually holds the tiebreaker um, over Air Force, and you know what? Air Force has kind of a a pretty manageable schedule. Because they play New Mexico this week on mm-hmm. Saturday, and then the week after that they play Wyoming, and they're hosting Wyoming. And so, yeah. um, I don't know. Utah State fans get ready to cheer on the Cowboys right. because um, if you want a chance at getting a, a shot at that Mountain West title game, you got to hope that Wyoming shows up to play mm-hmm. against Air Force. Um, and so, and and yeah. like you said, they their task right now is Boise State and how they're going to do it without Jordan Love. And granted, we don't know what happened to Jordan Love exactly, but we know he's hurt. Without David Woodward, you know, without, um, you know, Jalen Warren was on, like, limited time. So mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for Utah State to uh, – it, it's hard for me to see a way Utah State um, has a comfortable <laughs> has a comfortable game. They're going to be in, uncomfortable. It's going to be a battle. And so um, – the good thing, though, is that they're going to host, which is, you know, kind of a plus mm-hmm. because that Smurf turf is a, is a curse for it like, Utah schools. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the lowdown for Utah State so far. Um, I'm happy that it was like 50 degrees while I was there. <laughs> so yeah, it it's been like super a warm lately. Football day, yeah, especially for having three FBS teams at home. It was kind of a cool way to. Um, you know, as the season winds down, to have really nice weather, and you know, it's a chance to for the fans to get out and watch their teams play. And, and you know, so, what? it'll be good because, like, you know, you'll get out, finish this football season, and hopefully, it'll turn cold right before basketball season. And there's lots of stuff you can do indoors. One of the things you can do indoors, Disney Plus came out. Oh, I thought you were gonna say watch the Jazz. Oh. Yeah, I watched the Jazz, I guess. Uh, let's Still just talk real quick about the Jazz see, uh, <laughs> okay. upcoming week. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time because I feel like this early in the season, as this team is continuing to establish an identity, um, there will be a lot of times that we could either be in full panic mode, like I was on Friday after that loss to the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I was very disheartened after it. Or we could think that they're a top two team in the NBA after beating the Bucks and the Sixers. But um, this upcoming week, they play the T-Wolves twice tomorrow night. I guess Monday night, if you guys are listening on Monday tonight. Um, they are facing, they're hosting the Timberwolves. They flip around and hit the road to go to Minnesota. Then they come back for two home games. Um, they both should win both those home games pretty manageably. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, no D'Angelo Russell. He's out with a uh, thumb, thumb injury. And then the Pelicans, so it's the return of Derek Favors on Saturday night before that five-game road swing. So um, that's what you have to look forward to for Jazz fans, and that's our Jazz Minute on Sportsbeat After Hours. But another thing that you can do on the off days for the Jazz this week is, as Hema said, watch Disney+. Plus. 
Yeah, Disney Plus has been really awesome so far. Um, next week, we're going to talk Mandalorian because that's the main reason why I bought it was to watch the Mandalorian and all the Star Wars well, stuff. I, I want to ask you, what do you think of the first two episodes so far? Great. I love it. Um, I like where it's going. I like how it's moving along. Um, I think we will have a lot more to say on this next podcast because we're going to have Matt Glade, another Star Wars fan, on with us to talk of the first three episodes of Mandalorian. But yeah, so far, so good. Um, John Favreau directed it, and... Like, I like what he does. Um, yeah. He's, he hasn't really come out with anything where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's world changing. Yeah. But he does a good enough job where I'm impressed with it. And the Mandalorian is like one of those things that I'm impressed with. Yeah. You look at what John Favreau's done. I mean, I kind of know him more as like an actor for <laughs> sure. Like swingers and yeah. Rudy and um, friends. Yeah. Uh, the replacements, just a, lo- a lot of stuff. But, um, you know, he directed Elf, which is maybe like the best true Christmas movie. I consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, but like <laughs> Elf is like a true Christmas movie, if For that sure. makes sense. Um, it's one of the more enjoyable ones. The Jungle Book, uh, which kind of spurned off this whole. Um, like Disney. Disney live action thing. The new Lion King, which is like my son's favorite movie. And then he was huge in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, he was Happy Hogan. Um, and then he was the uh, an EP um, for Avengers Iron Man 3, Avengers Age of Ultron, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home. So um, he has a, his hand in a ton of stuff that's, like, just, like, really good stuff. Yeah. And um, The Mandalorian is one of them, for sure, because... It's such a different vibe from anything else that we've seen in the Star Wars universe, which I kind of like. That's why I liked Rogue One because they kind of flipped it upside down. Like mm-hmm. it's a Rogue One is like a, a heist war movie. Yeah. Um, inside the Star Wars universe, and Moves this is kind of like yeah, this is kind of a slow burn, kind mm-hmm. of a western. Um, we're finding a new frontier to explore, and again, we're going to talk a lot more about this, but I've really enjoyed what the Mandalorian is so far. Still so many questions that I want answered. Like Yeah. This is uh this is where the streaming age has kind of killed me a little bit because everything is like readily available, mm-hmm. but having to wait a week It's rough. It's rough because it's really good. I think like the first episode, you know, Disney Plus came out on let's see, what was the date? Was it a Tuesday? It was a Tuesday. It was uh November twelfth. Yeah, and the first episode of Mandalorian was already on there. Mm-hmm. I only had to wait Wednesday, Thursday, like three days to watch the second episode, but still that was too long for me. I watched the first episode, like rewatched it like five times <laughs> from the time times. it came out. Yeah. Because I was so excited for the rest of it. Um, but yeah, waiting a week in between episodes is going to take some practice, but, um, it'll be good for us as like consumers and like, um, people that make content on content we absorb like sports for us to like really sort out our thoughts and really do some research on this show because I think it's great. And I, I would love to talk about this show all season long for sure. And I, I love the star Wars extended universe. I, I like that. We're going to be able to see what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that's probably, I'm oh, more yeah. excited for that than I think anything else that's really happened with star Wars and 
last few years. And it's going to have Ewan McGregor, which is insane. I love him, man. He's great. He's, like, seriously, like, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite actors. I don't even know him as a person, but I love yeah. him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, did you know that we're randomly following the NBL, the Sports Beat After Hours account? What's the, the Australian NBL? Basketball oh. League? That's weird. Sorry, I'm watching these tweets come <laughs> up on our timeline, and it's just a flood of NBL tweets because apparently it's daytime in Australia right now. <laughs> Shout out to our man, Tom Hackett. Tom um, Hackett. He probably was the one who followed it. Maybe he hacked our account. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, is there anything else on Disney Plus? Have you watched any other originals? Do you not really care to see any of the other stuff that's out right um, now? I, so a lot of the other originals for Disney Plus are like documentary type things or like whatever. Um, I like those, but I don't. I feel like there's more things that I need to consume before I consume those things. Yeah. My wife said the Noel movie with Bill Hader was really I good. I heard about that. She said it's really good. Huh. And I was like, I like Bill Hader. Maybe I'll have to check this out. I don't know if I'm ready for Christmas flicks yet. I'm not either, but we already have our Christmas lights up and our <laughs> Christmas tree. And like every time I come home, there's slowly more Christmas stuff going up. And I'm like, <laughs> don't forget about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah. is the best holiday. It's not even snowing yet. No. In fact, turkey bowls are going to be lit this year because it's not going to be It's going to be beautiful cold. weather. Yeah. yeah. Like... They're laying sod in my neighborhood because, like, we just got sod in our front yard because it's still nice enough to lay out sod, yeah. and it, the, it's the grass isn't going to die. Yeah, people's water, I think, is still on because it's, like, so Yeah, warm. they ran our sprinklers two days ago. Yeah. I was out in my garage. I painted my garage yesterday because it was so nice. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so not ready for Christmas stuff yet, but I, I have, I'm, I am fully aware of everything that's on there, and I'm ready, I'm excited to consume it, but I've Fallen into this trap where I've just been kind of like looking at all these throwback shows. I've bounced around in so many things. I've started like three different shows. I've watched at least one episode of like three different like Disney Channel shows Mm. like from when I was a kid just because of the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Even Stevens, Lizzie McGuire, um, Boy Meets World. I think those are the three that I've watched. And then I'm diving into The Simpsons. Um, Oh, yeah. Matt, plug your ears. I've, like, never really watched The Simpsons because I wasn't allowed to watch it growing Interesting. up. Interesting. Um, I remember I had a cousin, Mikey, that um, when I was, like, five, he gave me a Bart Simpson doll. Uh-huh. And I was, like, so excited because I, like, everyone watched The Simpsons. Like, right. The Simpsons was so popular. This was, you know, 1998 when, it like, The Simpsons was, like, in the middle of, like, this great historic run on TV. Mm-hmm. And my cousin gives me a a Bart Simpson doll, and I remember hiding it from my parents so they couldn't (laughs) find it. And I think, like, my dad found it and threw it away. Oh, wow. And just, like, The Simpsons was just, like, so ingrained in pop culture. Like, um, I remember I actually tagged my wife in in a BuzzFeed article the other day about, like, things that you missed from the 90s that, like, you don't even realize are gone now. One of those things was like the you do you remember the the huge poster section that Walmart had with like the oh for sure the poster flip and I just remember like I wanted this poster so badly of Bart Simpson writing on the chalkboard saying I won't skateboard at school or whatever <laughs> and I wanted that so bad and I wanted to watch The Simpsons but I just wasn't allowed and yeah. so because of that I never really got into The Simpsons because it was so hard to go back I'm a guy that I have to. 
we can't dive in in the middle of things. Right. Um, I have to watch things from the beginning. And yeah. so finally having like the full catalog of Simpsons episodes, all 661 episodes Jeez. before this season began. I'm really excited about, I've watched half of the first season so far. It's hilarious. It's very different too, like the way that it was illustrated. Yeah. It's almost jarring. Yeah. Like going from what the Simpsons is now, like polished and people like celebrities look like who they're supposed to look like. Yeah. And then like the first season of Simpsons like scribbles. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty but bad. But it's it's really fun. Um I'm very disappointed in myself that it took twenty five years to get into it, but it's great. No, that's the cool thing about you starting at the beginning, and I think maybe I'll join you on that journey just because I want to look... start a, a new podcast where it's <laughs> just Simpsons, the Simpsons? like rewatchables. I don't know. That'd be fun. There's just so many Simpsons. No, I, I want to, I want to watch the Simpsons back from like the perspective of like what writers were writing the Simpsons at the time. That that's actually a really good um, aspect to kind of look at because they have some very notable writers that have worked on this show mm-hmm. throughout its run. I mean, most notably Conan O'Brien wrote for the Simpsons. Yeah. And like, I'm sure like a, a ton of other people that you didn't know wrote for the Simpsons that are like ultra famous now. Um, like I'm sure it would surprise you, but that's the journey that I want to take. Like, having watched the Simpsons growing up and stuff like that, it'll be a refresher for me, like each episode and like gag and stuff like that. But I do, I also want to see it from like the writer's perspective. And I think that'll be cool. So yeah, we'll, yeah let's they've do had it. 125, excuse me, 126 different writers um, wow. for, th- for this show, which is just an insane um, number for any show. I mean, you look at some of the names, Judd Apatow, um, you mentioned Conan O'Brien. I'm just trying to go through and just find people that. Yeah, just notable people. Um, yeah, I didn't know Judd Apatow actually wrote. For he did. Simpsons. He did one episode. That's cool. So yeah. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if like a lot of other, like, famous, no, like. Famous writers. Yeah. Brian Scully is a guy that worked on Family Guy as well. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And so I'm excited to. Yeah. Um, Matt, you can demote me or whatever you need to <laughs> after you listen to this. Um, maybe I shouldn't have admitted this publicly, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I'm really excited to. I'm, I've been excited to share a lot of uh, my favorite shows with my kid. Um, he finally got around to watching uh, uh, Monsters, Inc. He had the oh, first, yeah. his first chance to watch Monsters, Inc., I guess, with my wife last night. And my wife said that he loved it. Like, he was just glued to the TV. Um, which is good because I I will say this. I think Coco is a perfect animated movie. Yeah. There's only so many times that I can cry. Pixar, like, you're talking about Pixar movies? Uh, just in terms, in terms of a movie, it's pretty near perfect. I think... Yeah. It, as an animated film, I put it up there with Inside Out as maybe like the best animated movie of all time. Interesting. I I, think, I have to think about that, but that's I that's think a Coco's almost a perfect like the story is a nearly is great. perfect movie. It's a it's a great story. It has a good enough mix of music because I think that's one of the things that kind of fails Pixar a lot of times. Right. Is that there's music. not enough original music, but 
That's true because you think about you. So there's like this whole split between Disney and Pixar, where like Disney always Disney. has like really great music. Yeah, we're, but I, maybe like, the story isn't quite the same as like a Pixar movie. True. Uh yeah. It, it, but it's definitely different. Like Tangled, you know, yeah. or Frozen. Like they're good, but there there are holes in the in the plots and the stories, and it's just it doesn't tug at you emotionally the same way that a Pixar movie does. I agree. I think there's more real issues in Pixar movies too. Yeah, Pixar tackles real world issues. Yeah, and like they're you mentioned Inside Out, like that's a, that's yeah. A real... They're they're for adults, right? You know, it's not just movies for kids. Like Frozen and Tangled, they don't have subplots that can you know really lend its ear out to adults. You yeah. know, like I'm not gonna watch Frozen and come away with like, wow, you know what? I need to be um, a better father. Every time I watch Coco, I'm like, <laughs> I need to be a better dad yeah. and husband. And because, you know, I want, you know, my kids to look at me and the legacy that I have and have, have it be mm. something that's worthy sharing to their children and their grandchildren, their great grandchildren. I want to be someone that is remembered. And every single time that Miguel Rivera <laughs> comes back from the spirit world and sings, remember me to mama Coco, I yeah. ball my eyes oh, out. For because sure. You know, all all um, Hector wanted is just to see his little girl one more time. Yeah. And he gets that chance because of the legacy that he was able to pass on to Miguel, and Miguel was able to share that with his family. And I'm so, like, so I think you're spot on with Coco because, like, then I look at it from, like, an ethnic perspective where I, like, I think they're pretty spot on. Like, sure, I'm not Hispanic. I'm not Mexican. Yeah. Um, but I, like, you know, I went on a mission to a Hispanic country and, like, um, a lot of the traditions that they have as far as, like, you know, alebrijes yeah. and, like, things like that. Like, the, you know, the, those elements of the story are, like, real. You yeah. know, they're they're accurate, which I think is really cool. Um, but then, like, the animation where you talk about – you watched Monsters, Inc. Have you, did you watch Monsters, Inc. with – Not with yet. Them? Okay. Not yet. Monsters, Inc. or, like, the first Toy Story – animation is rough yeah like it is rough like looking i will back say with disney things. plus it's improved true because um, of the quality yeah the quality has it. improved it's not the 480 right 720 it's it's truly hd but the mechanics and just the 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 models for the characters aren't they're like too glossy they are. Yeah. yeah and but then you look at like coco where it's like beautiful yeah and like when they're in the real world, it's like they got the texture and the lighting correctly, and like so. Yeah, I think you make a compelling case for Coco being like the best animated movie of all time. I'll have to go through my catalog though and think of like we what need other... to come up with a list for this. We yeah. need to do more list podcasts for sure. Um, but yeah, I I do think um, the traditions. You know, it's a different culture, different traditions, but like the principles still hold true. Right. That you know, family is important and. Uh, you need to you need to respect your ancestors and you know you got to make your family so important that you know they're that they're everything to you and that you can pass on um what you love with your children and their grandchildren and so on yeah. and, um if you don't then you'll be forgotten but also don't make them you know make shoes if they don't want to make shoes yeah, yeah for like... real don't force things on people <laughs> um and yeah just I guess the final point I want to make about Pixar, and maybe this is going to spurn off a whole other conversation. Okay. We'll see. Um, 
they deal, like you said, with real world issues like death. Sure. Not just like death of a spouse and like multiple uh, yeah. movies. Okay. Finding Nemo. Death of your mom. Yeah. You know? you know, it's a single dad raising his child, not really knowing what is out or being afraid of what's out there in the world because of what he experienced. You know, he, he experienced tragedy. You have up where yeah. um, he becomes just a hermit because he, you know, they weren't able to. Um, they became so focused on this goal of, uh, you know, being able to have children that they, um, and it didn't work out for them that they, you know, they let stuff in their life pass them by like opportunities to travel and stuff like that. That's up. And then he loses his spouse and he becomes a hermit, you know? Well, they lost a baby too. Like in the, in the, in the show. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And so there's like some real world stuff, you know? I think even Toy Story has kind of started to uh, – I, I don't necessarily say that Toy Story 1 really addressed this or Bugs Life. But sure. basically from Toy Story 2 on, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with Cars or Brave. Uh, I didn't really like Cars. Cars is so meh. Yeah. it's like Cars meh. really is super meh. It's It's – what it is is – like, sure, all these Disney movies, Pixar movies, are, like, there's an aspect of it where they can sell merch. Yeah. But Cars is, like, so obviously a merch-selling Yeah, that's why they made three movie. of them. Like, yeah. bring us, uh, I don't know, um, Bugs Life 2. <laughs> yeah. Bring us another Toy Story movie, man. Like, I don't know. I think, I basically, sorry, back to my original point. I think from Toy Story 2 on is when Pixar kind of found its direction of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even, I guess... Toy Story was the importance of friendship. Yeah, I guess. Sure. It's still a great movie. It, it's Toy Story's good. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, the last couple of years, um, basically from up on, Pixar is just, Pixar's always been king, but it's just they're on a different level, and there's no one that can compete with them. Yeah. Illumination's not doing that. Um, oh, Even yeah. though Illumination puts out, like, good stuff, especially for kids. It's like the Disney animated films. You like it's just there's not yeah. really any substance to it. So I think they're getting close. Like now that they're kind of back to working together, Disney and Pixar, I think they're gonna start cranking out some bangers. Onward is the next one. Soul. Did you see the the preview for the Soul? Yes, I did. That looks amazing. That looks dope, especially if I, you like jazz music. Yeah, like I had chills watching that. I've probably watched that trailer like probably a dozen times and um I'm really excited for that yeah. because it has that inside out feel to me. Yes. Like it, like it's a it's a out of the box concept that like the 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 plot is going to base itself around some kind of existential thing. Like, yeah. Other than like a like a plot driven thing yeah. where it's like like inside out like you said. Yeah. Um I think inside out was great. Uh I know a lot of people that didn't quite get it at first or like like how different it was, but I, I thought it was great. Those people got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. So, yeah, I saw that um, trailer. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff. I guess with Disney Plus now, like, we just need to pick some kind of direction and just kind of, like, start watching things from that direction. You know what I mean? Because there's just so much on there. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I got to focus myself somehow. Yeah, no, I I completely agree because really there is so much content out there. Um, I haven't even had a chance to dive into Apple TV Plus, and I just like I bought an Apple TV specifically to get Apple TV Plus so uh-huh. I can see some of these series like uh, the Morning Show and see. Right, I heard C's great. I haven't seen anything of it, so I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I I was told by Kyle Ireland. This is like the fifth time we've mentioned Kyle. <laughs> no. We just um, had him on, too. It's yeah. Like we need so to have him back on. We now. need to have Kyle back on. He said that um, C is a lot like a mix of Game of Thrones and Vikings. Two great shows. Yeah. Vikings, super underrated show. Yeah. Um, it's because it was on History Channel. It's on History Channel. Channel but which is why. if you guys have Amazon Prime, it's actually free to stream on there. One, um, one of the best shows with... A lot of the there's a lot of change in the cast mm-hmm. um, over the course of the show, and it stays remains very consistent in the quality of the show. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I know what you're saying. Highly recommend it. I'm not sorry. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but um, really, really good show. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance to watch it, but um, yeah, I think that's all we got for now. Uh, stay tuned for next week. We're going to be back. Uh, probably going to try and drop two episodes. Maybe we'll try and do something Thursday. Um, and uh, I don't know what we'll do Thursday, but maybe we'll talk jazz a little bit on Thursday. Yeah, there'll be a couple of jazz games. We'll have a couple more jazz games under our belt. Hopefully something good to talk about. Um, But, yeah, and then we'll be back with, uh, I'm going to make it a goal, three podcasts next week. Three pods next Damn. week. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to Sportsbeat After Hours. I am your host, Hemi Mui Jr. Really appreciate your time, guys. Love you. I mean it. And he is Zachary Hicken. Yeah, good night, everybody. And uh, make sure you guys share this podcast with a friend and check out KSLSports.com. Like I said, good night, everybody.